0: Welcome to the Making Headway Podcast, a podcast for brain injury survivors by brain injury survivors, providing resources and camaraderie for anyone recovering from any type of brain injury.
1: Welcome back to the Making Headway Podcast. Uh, This is Erin, and today I am joined by Tyann Crook and Judy Gooch from Brainstorm for Brain Injury. Uh, If you haven't seen them on social media, they're a great follow. They have some really great resources that they post out. That's how I found them. Um, I tend to repost some of their stuff because it's, it's good stuff. Um, So they were, you know, we're fortunate enough to have them join us today and uh, we'll just kind of get right on going and start with, uh, you know, how did you guys, you know, first of all, welcome. And uh, how did you guys get connected with brainstorm for
0: brain injury? How did this all come about? Well, I will start. I am and Dr. Judy Gooch, and I'm a doctor specializing in physical medicine and rehabilitation. And many of us in that field work with people who have had brain injury, and for oh, 35 plus years now, I've worked with people with brain injury. And I have seen so so many people struggle after brain injury. If you've had a really severe brain injury and you have uh, difficulty walking, maybe difficulty walking, you may get uh, reasonable or good follow-up and long-term care. But if you've had a brain injury and, and you look normal and maybe you are go to the emergency room and and discharged or spend a couple days in the hospital. A lot of times people get very limited follow-up care. Mm -hmm. And then they continue to struggle. They struggle with cognitive or thinking problems, with emotional problems. And now for years, I have seen these struggles and it has become so frustrating that I, I needed to do more. And so I, I'll, I'll, with the help of, of Tyann and a couple other people, we started Brainstorm for Brain Injury to help people with brain injury find help and find hope. Tyann, go ahead and And add to that, you've been a huge part of this. (laughs) So
2: um, my introduction to brain injury started when my son was injured in an accident. Um, There was a lawsuit that was the result of that accident. And um, Dr. Gooch, Judy Gooch, was actually one of the expert witnesses on our case. And that's how I met her is we went to um, our attorney, um, sent us to her trying to understand better kind of what my son's injuries were. And so that was actually how we initially met and then our lawsuit resolved. Um and we kind of went along our merry way for a little while and I remember at the at the very beginning of of the whole lawsuit our attorney was I was talking to him and I said, "Where's the handbook?" Like there's a handbook for everything. I, I don't know if you remember back in the the 90s, early 2000s, they had the dummies book. They were yellow and black and it said like computer programming for dummies.
1: Um, it'd be nice if we had one of those.
2: Right. And I said, where there's, there's gotta be a handbook or something out there, some sort of resource to help people. And he looked at me and he goes, no, maybe you should do that. And I was like, Hmm. I, I I don't do things like that. I'm I'm a mom. I you know, I'm I'm busy running my kids to their practices and school things. I said, that's that's not me. And I remember going through the rehab process with my son and thinking, Why do people why is this so hard? Why is it so hard to find resources and help and people that understand this? And I I was talking to my husband one day and I said, Do you think we're the only ones that have this problem? he said, he said, I don't know. He said, I don't really care. He said, I just, you know, we need, we need to get through this. And one day out of the clear blue sky, Judy called me and she said, I'm just curious. She said, what things have worked and what things have not? And what do you think would need to change in order to really help people after a brain injury? And it it honestly just started with a phone call. And she said, Mm. huh, that's, that's, interesting to think about because she had some ideas already as well and she reached out to someone else that she knew and eventually it was actually Judy that said I think we all need to meet all of us we all need to meet in person because um I had an Lara is our other founder and I'd never met her before and she said I think we all need to meet and we did and and we clicked and there were a lot of conversations and then one day everyone just said we're doing it we we think we can help we're gonna do it and we started a nonprofit, and that really was about it <laughs>
1: So what is the nonprofit's focus? What are you guys working on?
0: I'll say something on that. So, that's a big so question. We, we, yeah, that's a big question because this is a big, <laughs> big problem. Um, so we started out really with the, um, the goal, the mission of helping brain injury survivors find help and find hope. So we started with the website and then, then got into more of the social media aspects and, and has really been managing our social media and has talked to people all over the world, which I'll let you get into in a minute. And again, but um, we found that there's even, this is even more of a problem and there is more of a need than I even knew. And I've, known a lot. I've really seen the need over the years, but worldwide, the lack of understanding of brain injury, how it impacts lives, and the lack of long-term help that that people are getting is just overwhelming. And so we figured, you know, we we really can't, do this ourselves all. And, and there's, there's certainly people around the world trying to help brain injury. So it's, not, it's not, certainly not just us. Um, but we're trying to fill that kind of need of, of, of the, the longer term care when people continue to, to struggle. And so currently, our goal is to work to educate the mental health community. About brain injury because oh, good one. many people with brain injury are seen by mental health providers, but mm-hmm. there's limited understanding by mental health providers, and they could they could really do a lot more for people with brain injury if they had that kind of better understanding. Because particularly people after a brain injury may not respond great to the traditional behavioral approach because they have thinking problems they have processing problems mm-hmm. um, they have maybe have impulsivity and so currently that's that's our goal
1: that is such an excellent um, platform that you're on because I mean I know for me personally mental health has been just as big a part of my recovery as the you know physical effects of stroke um, it you know no matter how hard you are you know no matter how strong you are i think it would be odd for you not to have a mental health effect from it it's traumatic and um like you mentioned it can cause some changes in how you manage things like emotional dysregulation um it just it it has to have that paired approach in my mind
2: I'll tell you one of the things, um, for me personally, um, that really changed my life after my son got hurt, was I mean, there physically nothing happened to me, but I mm. was having a mental health crisis and people would look at me and they're like, well, you're, you're fine. You, what, what's your problem? And, um, it's, I don't, I don't remember how long it took. It took a long time to find a good therapist that. Identified what was going on for me personally. And like I said, I'm a caregiver. I, I didn't suffer an injury myself. And she looked at me and she said, it's ambiguous loss. And I, mm-hmm. I kind of looked at her and I was like, I don't even know what that means. And she said, you're mourning the loss of the things that you had always anticipated and planned on. She said, you're, you're, you're mourning the loss of the old life that you had, the way you could do things, the way you could think about things. She said, there are so many things that you were able to just take for granted and, and you can't do that anymore. And she said, you, you're fighting that because you're, you're living this new life. You're wishing for your old life, but you're having a really hard time. There's this dissonance in your head where you're like, you're thinking to yourself, you should be grateful. You should be grateful that your child is alive. You know, she said when someone, so it, she said, if your child had died and all of a sudden there was, you know, there's this absence She said, everyone would come out of the woodwork and help you and support you and care. And she says, it's not that people don't care, but your life looks exactly the same. Your family looks Mm -hmm. exactly the same. And she said, so no one is going to have any idea that you're struggling. And that's from a caregiver perspective. I think about some of the people that we've talked to over the years now that they look the same. Since their injury, mm-hmm. they walk, they talk, they mm-hmm. sound the same. They look the same. They, you know, but they are having these problems interpersonally. These, they're having these problems at work. They're, they're working three, four, five times as hard as they used to, to get half of the stuff done. And they're, they're thinking I'm working so hard. Why am I so far behind? Why is this so hard for me? But no one can understand because they're not inside your head. They don't know the emotions that you're experiencing, the frustration you're experiencing. And the world is, our world is not set up for that. If we, if we think everything looks okay, everyone goes along their merry way. And one of the things that I think the pandemic really kind of brought into very sharp focus was the importance of mental health. And um, I, I will never say I'm thankful for the pandemic ever, ever. But I'm really (laughs) glad, you guys, I think it threw all of our lives into a little bit of chaos, at least temporarily. (laughs) Yeah. But I think that people are finally starting to see the importance, the value of addressing mental health. And for a lot of people, especially that are brain injury survivors and caregivers that have been suffering in silence for so long... They're saying, thank you. Thank you for acknowledging this. It's a real thing. And it has a massive impact on not just your life and your quality of life, but everything else in just the way that you function. So that was was one of the reasons why we thought, you know what, we're going to utilize kind of this, I don't want to say a gift, but this opportunity that the pandemic has given us to address mental health and say it's it's not just it's not just, oh, I'm tired, it's not just, oh, I'm nervous, oh, I'm I have anxiety about this. Let's really talk about this and unpack all of the components of mental health and how it impacts other populations other than just kind of the typical.
0: If you or someone you know is struggling to recover after brain injury like a stroke, take a free online assessment at modusnova.com forward slash making headway to see if their robots can help boost your recovery. If you are struggling with stroke recovery, take the free online assessment at modusnova.com forward slash making headway to learn if Modus can help you recover.
1: Absolutely. Um, that sounds like a big a big task. Um, where do you even start? You know, what, what can survivors do to try to better address their mental health? Um, do you guys have any tips for that?
2: Well, the thing that we're doing is brainstorm um as an organization um we are actually going to private mental health care providers say okay let's let's talk about this. let's open this dialogue and see what your understanding is and if there's there's something that we can do to kind of help each other out. That's what we're doing as an organization but um I was um I was actually just barely reading in the U S for every one mental health care provider that is in the U S there are over 800 people that are seeking services. Mm -hmm. So wait lists are long there. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, you're, if you're in crisis and someone says, Oh, I'll get to you in two years. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. Um, And pandemic, I know there are a lot of places that um, like support groups that, especially the in-person support groups, they're gone. There, I mean, Mm -hmm. a lot of them still have not come back and are are not functioning the way that they were pre-2020. But when you ask about things that you can do, there are resources out there. First, there are some online support groups out there that are great. Podcasts are great. Interacting via social media is great. We have a lot of people that we interact with directly on social media. And um, sometimes we can kind of help you out, do a little bit of that work to say, okay, who can you talk to? Who, who is in your support network? One of the things that we're really big on at Brainstorm is your brain injury team. And um, that encompasses all the medical professionals, all the rehab professionals, but also maybe you have, you know, a, a great community. Um, maybe you have friends, family, maybe there are ecclesiastical leaders or there are government outreach programs or community programs. Utilize them um, and sometimes it just takes a little bit of looking and and identifying who in your community or your world, your family, whatever the case might be, that can help you. So identifying your brain injury team is really important to do right off.
1: Mm-hmm. And it takes, like you said, so many different people to be on that team. It's not a one and done thing when it comes to brain injury. I'm sure Dr. Gooch has seen this um, firsthand in your practice.
0: It takes... It takes a village with a brain injury. It, it absolutely does. And I, I want to go back to your question about um, what you can do mm. to help after a brain injury. Often after a brain injury, thinking processing can be slow. It can be more difficult. And so life can get overstimulating. Um When too much information is coming at you, then your brain gets overstimulated, and then Mm -hmm. and then you can get irritable. Maybe you don't behave as well as you would like to. Maybe you get anxious. And so really understanding that overstimulation issue can be very helpful. And something as simple as taking brain breaks. Every hour, taking five to ten minutes, where you just go to a quiet place and decrease the stimulation level, can really help your brain. And it seems simple; it is simple, but that that can can really make a difference. Um, it another really
1: can and like, oh, sorry to cut you off. Um, go ahead, go ahead. I just it does sound so simple, and that's one of the hardest things to do because I think you're so used to what you were like before the brain injury that you can handle the stimulation it's okay. Just push a little bit harder. If I stop, you know, like if I just keep going, I'll get it done. And then I can be done all day. Um, I, I fall into that trap all the time and knowing that the best thing to do is to really take a rest. Um, so, you know, a strategy that's helped me with that is I actually have to set alarms because I can't, rely on my own brain to tell me you need to stop. Because by the time my brain's telling me you need to stop, it's too late.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the the alarms are are perfect. And uh, that's a a great tool to help with that. And you bring up another great point that you just want to keep doing what you've always done. Mm -hmm. Um, all of us our, our lives become habits. we Do what we do, and we want to do what we do, and and if after a brain injury you can't do what you could do, it becomes or can become extremely frustrating, and so then that that leads to that uh, uh, overstimulation because you keep going and going and going, like you say. Um, A really important message that we try to get across is that. Um, After a brain injury, life may not be the same, but it can be deeply fulfilling. Mm -hmm. And so I I guess the the first one, the first message there is that there is, there are ways to improve after brain injury. There's, there's help, there's, there's cognitive rehabilitation to improve thinking. There's, there's other tactics that can be used. And so you, you can improve. But sometimes people are left with struggles for the long haul. And the, the people that I see that do the best are those that say, you know, oh, okay, I, I don't like this. I wish that, that things were what they were, but they are what they are. And I am going to find what I can do and find ways to make my life be fulfilling. And I, I've i just seen incredible examples of that With in spite of ongoing brain injury struggles that life can be great.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, finding that new sense of purpose is, it's challenging. I'm not going to tell you that it's easy, but it makes such a difference to have, you know, something that you're striving for every day. Um, Even if it's just, you know, early on getting through your rehab exercises for the day, um, having some sort of goal that you're trying to um, accomplish just helps you feel more fulfilled.
2: Absolutely. Well, and I think having those structures and that structure and those goals, um, people, really underestimate you, you think, Oh, I can't accomplish the things that I used to accomplish. And therefore it's not worthwhile anymore. And I think people are too quick to, to discount the value of that. Um, I, I think, I think humanity, the human spirit is, is always striving and attaining. And when you stop doing that, consciously doing that, I I think something happens, not, not just in your head. Um, but Internally, I, I don't know. I don't know if you would call it a soul or a, or whatever the case might be. Um, I was actually talking to someone about this just last night, and um, someone that that we both knew um, in common that has a history with brain injury, and said, "Well, you know, their their family just sort of gave up after that. They just allowed mm-hmm. that person to." be where they were and never really work towards improving anything. And it, it, it was really, it was really heartbreaking for, for this per this friend that I was talking to. And they said, you know what, they, they used to, they used to be so different. And the, the whole family sort of kind of got in this quagmire and just stagnated. And mm. it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Life doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful. That was, I, I tell my kids that all the time. And yeah, there are going to be some things that happen in life. And for us, brain injury was one of them, absolutely a hundred percent, but there are definitely things that are different about our lives, but there are lots of ways that, I mean, it, it made everyone in my family, it gave us all pause. We all had to reevaluate. We all had to decide the things that were really important to us and, and really get down to those fundamentals, those very, very basic things. And, um, I, I've actually told Judy this a couple times. I, I refuse to say I'm thankful for brain injury. It was like the most horrible thing ever. But <laughs> I, I look at I look at the focus that it gave my life because I had to really make some hard choices. I had to really be intentional, really be purposeful, really make sure I was putting my energy in the places that it was going to serve my my brain injury survivor the very very best because we didn't have the time and the energy to waste anymore. And so I I feel like really focusing on those things, we've actually gotten more out of a lot of life.
1: Absolutely. I talk to survivors a lot through the podcast and, you know, everybody has, you you have to, I mean, you kind of have to accept that it happened. When you don't, you really get stuck and you have to kind of find that place where you can, like we were saying, you know, make a difference, have um, a purpose Um, And it sounds like, you know, some of those skills that you use, Tyanne, of really being deliberate as to what your energy goes towards and to be aware of how it either drains you or fulfills you will kind of help guide you you to um, make that next step in life. Um, You need that kind of awareness of how energy comes and goes with you. That makes sense. It,
2: yeah, well just for yeah. the record, it's going to take some trial and error. You're not going to figure out yes. what what does work the first time right out of the gate. It's it, that's I I can't even I can't even tell you the start and stop and start and stop and the try and that failed and try again and oh that failed again and it, it's it's been many years a, a long process of find, and and you know what, even when you find a great rhythm, life is still going to happen to you. And, and Mm -hmm. you're going to have to, you're going to have to go through the same process again. And you, you can't, here's, here's the other really funny thing for my survivor for a long time. He took everything really personally, really, really personally. Mm -hmm. He's like, well, and I was like, you know what, honey, that's just life. We have to figure out a way to deal with it and it's okay. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's also okay to fail and fall on your face. It's all, it's also okay to say, oh, that didn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out. Or, hey, that worked out way better than I thought it was going to work out. You're going to have both of those. So you know what? Celebrate and really enjoy the successes and say, okay, I guess I'm going back to formula on the things that didn't and just be okay with it.
1: That's great advice. Um, I think that that's just so true. And getting used to figuring out um, failure, that's, you know, failure has such a negative connotation, but it really isn't a negative thing if you're able to learn from what worked, what didn't work. And move on. Um, I say this because this is something I struggle with so much is that, you know, if you fail, you tend to just want to run, at least for me, I just tend to just want to run away from it. Um, but when I remain deliberate and learn from it, I actually make more strides in my recovery and in life in general than just being like, well, that didn't work. So, you know, scrap it completely.
2: What, I think that's um, a good life lesson, though. In general, it is, absolutely, right?
1: absolutely, yeah, yeah. I think it's something that we all um, will get to, maybe not all get to, but we all can benefit from. It's just understanding yes. how to move through your failures. What and are some Drew will other? Give a lot of them to you. It will. What are some other things you see survivors really struggling with? I know you guys mentioned that you uh, kind of look at more of the long-term spectrum. So these are probably people that aren't in the hospital anymore, aren't in home care. Maybe they've completed their rehab, but still having some struggles. What are some common things that you see that maybe we could talk about?
0: Well, I I, I think that... Um... Really, the ongoing cognitive and emotional struggles are the most troubling and the least managed. Um, If you're not walking well, you'll get lots of physical therapy, but if you're not thinking well, often insurance only pays for limited cognitive therapy, but the need can go on for a long time. There's also not a whole lot of cognitive rehabilitation therapists out there that are that are really experienced in treating people with brain injury and often those therapists are their disciplines are speech therapy, occupational therapy, sometimes neuropsychology and i say speech therapy but they're not working with speech they're they're trained in brain injury then they're working more with with thinking skills and so those those are the the things that that often get get left behind and again i think the population that even that that struggles the most and has the greatest need is that population that that doesn't end up in the hospital on a rehabilitation unit those people that are in the hospital for a few days and the the doctors say oh, you're fine. You're fine. You're walking, you're talking now, and you are good to go. Uh, or they, somebody goes to the emergency room and, oh, you really, I know you had, maybe you had a, a concussion. Maybe you uh, even had greater brain injury than concussion, but right now you look. you look fine. So you're good. And then people go home, they're not educated and they don't really understand that the ongoing struggles they have you know, with, with the irritability, with the anxiety, with depression, they don't really understand that it's brain injury related. Mm-hmm. And so those are the people think that, that we really are are trying to reach um, and, and trying to get, get more help for.
1: I love that. Um, that's, I think one of the most isolating pieces of brain injury is when you don't understand or recognize that the way you're feeling isn't just you suddenly feeling bad, It it's caused by something. And just gaining that awareness really helps you frame your recovery and how you're going to move forward. Uh, I know for myself, I had depression and anxiety before my brain injury. But afterwards, it was way, way worse. And the default for me was like, oh, well, this is just, you know, just me being me. And oh, well, there's nothing we can do. But that's not the case. Once I got all my different rehabs, like you said, speech therapy, occupational, physical, all of that, they were really able to help show me that, and mental health therapy, they were really able to help show me that whether it came from brain injury or not, There are still steps you can do to make your life better and to feel better.
0: That is so true. That's so often the default position that, oh, it's just me. And if I would just act differently, feel differently, things would be okay. And that's also the default position of family members, friends, school staff. Oh, this person is being lazy in school. Why don't they just? fuck up. Um, f- uh, family members, why are they behaving so poorly? We need to, to punish them if they're a child and just get into this horrible, vicious circle.
2: Oh, I just want to add to that, that um, the thing that, again, because brain injury is internal, you can't see it, but just because you can't see it, it doesn't mean that it isn't there. Um, and a lot of times we for, for our society, I think as humans, we are very much a seeing is believing sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. So when you go into the hospital, if you have an x-ray and it shows that you have a broken bone, great. We know how to fix that. You know, we're, we're going to put you in a, in a cast or maybe you need surgery or whatever the case might be. Um, and we're really, really good at things that have obvious answers, things that there's, there's some sort of visual marker. And that's why, and because don't get me wrong, we have great medical professionals out there and they're great at managing acute injuries. But if it's not something that as humans, we can quantify, we sort of want to either just sort of ignore it or, you know, like kind of brush it under the rug, or we're very quick to say, well, what's your problem? It's, it's you, it's, you know, um, and I, and I watched that, um, not just with my own child, but I've, I've heard so many other parents, um, spouses, spouse caregivers say the same thing. And when you talk about the long-term effects of brain injury, how a brain injury survivor interacts interpersonally changes forever. I, you know, a lot of times their society is so quick to blame that person because, well, there's nothing wrong with you. We can't see anything wrong with you. What's wrong with you? You know, why are you being like that? Why are you? Um, I was I was talking to a, a mom just a couple of, I was about two months ago maybe. And, you know, her her son was in a really serious car accident. And some of the people that they had been friends with for years were so quick to blame him to the point where he was suicidal. Mm-hmm. And she said, he he was in a car accident six weeks ago. He, we're, we're just glad that he's, he's walking and talking and, you know, and he previously had been the kind of the life of the party kid. And then he was so overwhelmed with the social that they're like, well, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? And he just, he couldn't do it anymore. And so what did everybody do? Instead of saying, Oh, you had this life changing event, you know, maybe we should look at that immediately the idea was just, we're going to blame that person because they're different now. And I understand the reason for why that happens. But when you watch that happen to your own child, you kind of, it makes you want to say something. And that was one of the reasons why it was so important to me. Like we have got to help people understand a little bit better because I was watching how other, other children were interacting with my brain injury survivor, how his teachers at school, how people in our community, and most people don't want to hear it, but every once in a while, you will hear someone, you'll see someone that they will, they will listen, they will pay attention. And they're like, you know what? I just realized that, you know, my, my brother-in-law, he was in a biking accident. So-and-so my neighbor has had a concussion that said, and you know what, you, you told me some of the things I should watch for. And I'm a little bit more patient And it's completely changed my interaction with those people. And it's improved my relationship. And I said, um, there's actually one woman in particular that I'm thinking of. And I said, I just want for you to know, I said, it's it's not going to be the case with every brain injury survivor. I said, but that is is saving somebody's brain injury survivor. That's saving their mental health. I said, you are giving them an opportunity to be heard and to be validated. They're not isolated. I said, because that isolation leads to the most unhealthy things in a brain injury survivor. I said, and, and all those other things, they lead to it's this cascading series of problems when you get that isolation. What happens when you you can't manage the depression or the anxiety or any of the other things? Well, maybe, maybe you have healthy outlets, but what if you don't? What if you go to an unhealthy outlet? What if that isolates you even more? What if that causes you to act out even more? It, I mean, it can turn into social problems that we deal with every day because people don't realize the interpersonal problems. How many divorces does that lead to? How many domestic violence situations does that lead to? How many, when we have impulsivity issues because you know we have all these emotions as brain injury survivors that are going on, what if that leads to thefts or assaults and then we, then we end up with legal issues and problems with the judicial system. And then we had, do you see, it's, it's not just, oh, I have a brain injury. I have to deal with it. Or, you know, my mental health, I'm kind of struggling a little bit. And I know that seems like a really, really big leap, but if you really think about it, you can see how one leads to the other. And it turns into this domino effect where now all the dominoes have fallen. Does that sort of make sense?
1: Yeah, it. I I love the, um, explanation of dominoes. You know, you have one kink in the chain and it's going to knock down the rest of the things. So knowing where you can go to reach out for help is going to be huge. Um, do you guys have any advice for what people can do if they're listening and they're like, yeah, I have, I have some of these things and I didn't realize it was part of my brain injury. Um, where are they to
0: go? What, what are they to do? Any ideas? Um, They can start with uh, physical medicine and rehabilitation doctor. Now, some of us, but not all of us in this field, deal or work with people with brain injury, Um, so you would need to find somebody who does work with, with people with brain injury. Also, a neuropsychologist can help, again, speech therapists, occupational therapists, And those that that work with people with brain injury can also help.
2: Um, One of the things, and it's um, going to be different from state to state, um, but most states in the U.S., they have a brain injury alliance. That's Mm -hmm. a really good place to start. And even if they don't provide specific services, um, they are going to be dialed into places that can help you specifically with brain injury. Um, like I said, it's going to vary greatly from state to state. Another, um, so when my son got hurt and we were we were going through lots and lots and lots of rehab, um, I Judy kind of touched on this a little bit—the insurance aspect, and you're limited mm-hmm. on the number of visits that you get. Um, again, it's it's going to vary very much between you know where where it is that you're located, but there are, if you are close to, um, like a big research university, a lot of times their graduate students. They do like community health clinics. That's how some of them get their, their practicum and their internship hours. So you might investigate that. Um, Hmm. additionally, if you already have a really great therapist that you're going to sometimes, not always, not always, I don't, I don't want it to make it, I don't want to make it sound like it's a guarantee, but, um, with letters from your primary care doctor, um, a physical medicine and rehabilitation doctor, and the provider, if they all write a letter to your insurance and say, look, we are seeing this person, they're improving significantly, um, you can sometimes squeeze a few more visits out of your insurance. So those are those are the best places I can recommend that somebody start.
0: And also hey. there are certainly online uh, groups. Uh, there's Brainstorm for Brain Injury, there's your podcast, and, and there's a there's a number of resources online as well.
1: That's exactly what I was going to say, Judy. Um, I attend some brain injury uh, support groups virtually. Uh, like Tyann said, every state is different, but one of the benefits of COVID, if we, you know, I always try to find the bright side, is that a lot of support groups did go virtual and you can attend even if it's not your states. So if your state has a poor um, network, you can research states around you. Like I've gone to some in Massachusetts. I've gone to some in my own home state in New Hampshire. Uh, You just Google, uh, for us, it's Brain Injury Association um, out on the East Coast. I think most of us are that. Um, And they have different resources on their websites and you can attend those virtually. And it's just, it's nice to have a group of people that are feeling similar, you know, every brain injury is different, but at least you have a group of people that get it and you feel validated just by having other people be like, yeah, I had that too. Or, you know, I tried this when that happened and it's really a supportive environment. Are you finding it hard to recover at home after a stroke? MODIS Nova makes robotic devices to help folks with a brain injury regain the use of their affected limbs. Recovery after stroke takes thousands of hours of work that isn't all covered in outpatient therapy. Whether you're 10 days or 10 years post-stroke, recovery is still possible. You just need many hours of rehab to make that happen. The MODIS hand or foot are AI-powered robotic exoskeletons that help users do exercises through the playing of video games, similar to the way an occupational or physical therapist might work with your limb. Recovery after stroke is hard because stroke survivors don't get enough hours of rehab to regain function. Find out if Modus Nova can help you by taking their free online assessment at modusnova.com slash making headway modus nova helps survivors with little or no movement get moving again they help you get in the repetitions you need to form new neural pathways through playing video games the robotic hand and foot can assist with limb movements to provide a personalized exercise experience if this sounds like something you want to try visit modusnova.com making headway to learn more make sure to use special code making headway when you sign up and get a month free with the 30-day challenge visit modusnova.com making headway to get started that's m-o-t-u-s-n-o-v-a dot com slash making headway
0: yeah, I, I want to just add something to the to the every brain injury is different, and in many of our um, blogs that that we've written, uh, uh, things that we we put out there, we 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 frequently said every every brain injury is different. And somebody got back to us and said, "Well, that makes me feel really alone, like you know, I'm the mm. only one." But you know what? There's a lot of similarities. <laughs> People struggle with many of, of very, if not exactly the same, very similar issues. So people are not alone. Well, and that was, that was for
2: us. One of the very, very first things I remember going to, to one therapy. I don't even remember what kind of therapy it was now, but, um, it was probably nine months post-injury for my son. And we walked in and the therapist said, that all makes sense. That happens after a brain injury. And after months and months and months of being told that, uh, you know, oh, they've got to be making that up. Oh, that's not really real. That, you know, oh, stop being dramatic. Why Why do you feel like you have to say things like that to get attention? After months of hearing things like that, to have just to have that person say, yeah, that's real. And um, that can come from a lot of different places. Um, It can come from a therapist that understands brain injury or a doctor that understands brain injury. But if you can get that in a support group, just to feel like it's not weird and you're not all alone matters so much. Brain injury is the one thing that it it was the most isolating thing I had ever experienced in my whole entire life. And it was the one time I needed the very most support.
0: Mm
1: Mm-hmm. I think that's really important to remember that our caregivers need just as much support, sometimes maybe even more than the brain injury survivor themselves, because they're you're, you take on a lot in the caregiving role and it's go, 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 go all the time. So finding those caregiver support groups too. I know some of the brain injury associations, I'm not familiar with the alliances, but I know some of the brain injury associations do have caregiver support groups too, where same thing, you can get that validation and bounce ideas back and forth.
0: And Absolutely sometimes does. sometimes
2: it just takes more than one head too. Two, mm-hmm. two heads together, three heads together, you're, you're gonna come up with those ideas. You think, oh God, I, I never thought of it like that. That's great, I'm gonna try that. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but it gives you something to put positive energy into because you feel like, okay, I, I have a plan now. I, maybe I can move forward with this.
1: Hmm. Now, switching gears just a little bit, if anybody is listening and is a mental health worker, or you're thinking, you know, a mental health worker who would want to connect with you guys, how would they go about um, tapping into some of your resources?
0: I'll let you feel that, Judy. (laughs) Um, I was just going to let you feel that, Diane. (laughs) Um... You know, we've got our website, we've got our um, social media, we've got a number of, of blogs on brain injury. And as I said, we really shifted gears fairly recently in working to work with the mental health community on building their understanding of brain injury. So we're really just in the early stages of that but we are right now working to put together specific educational material so the, the, the greater impact will be down the road a bit. Uh,
2: but if someone did want to contact us, they can, um, they can contact us through the website. We have email. They can contact us through social media. Um, I, I try to make sure uh, I respond within 24 hours to anything. So, but, um, I'll, I'll tell you what, it's really interesting. Just, just discussing it, you know, at, very casually with people in the community, um, talking to a school counselor, um, at one of, mm-hmm. one of the schools that's close to us and the counselor just their eyes just lit up. They're like, that makes so much sense. Um, we ha I, I don't think it's any secret that, um, the last couple of years have been exceptionally hard. I think on especially kids and teenagers, school age kids, um, and I, I know that um, it. You talk about the mental health crises and the impact um, that suicide, quite frankly, is having on our community, and I, this counselor just thought, okay, we we just had this this experience in our community, um, unfortunately enough, and they said. I wonder if this was a problem. This is something we have to talk about. We have, we have lots of kids where, where we are, we have lots of really, really active kids and, um, lots of sports and lots of sports related concussions. And you look at the impact that that has on their ability to do school and be social and try to be, they, they're trying so hard to still be regular teenagers and they just, they can't keep up the same because they're, they, they didn't heal very well or didn't even take the time to heal. And that was, this counselor said, well, God, what are some of the things that we can do? And I said, okay, I have a whole bunch of reading material for you. And just that one person, one person, how many kids can they impact in a school setting? It, mm-hmm. it only takes one person at a time. And it, it sounds slow, but the, the impact is going to be exponential. So there, it, again, the, 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 there's a huge opportunity and the impact is going to be small to start. But just having this dialogue, having platforms like this and you getting the word out really does matter because someone someone else that's in the, the mental health industry is going to say, oh, yep, that makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. And are there services that you offer to survivors as well?
0: Go ahead, Tanya. Um,
2: So we initially, when we started, we thought we would go directly to caregivers and survivors. Um, And I, maybe that'll be an option one day. The problem is, is there are so many people and Mm -hmm. it's everywhere. And Mm -hmm. for us, because we're local, it's really hard, especially with social media, because with the internet, everything can be worldwide. Um, that got really overwhelming, really, really fast. We thought, okay, what's a more effective way to do this. And that's why we thought, okay, if we can start educating and and mental health has so much of an impact on so many things, because if you don't feel well, if you don't, if you're, if you're really anxious or depressed, or you're, you're just mentally, you're not functioning very well, you're not going to go to your therapy appointments you're not ever mm-hmm. going to see that improvement. So, mm-hmm. and, and vice versa, when you're, when you're doing well physically, it's like, Oh, well, I, I don't, I don't need those services anymore. Well, we always kind of need them out there sort of, I don't want to say on the back burner, like it's not important, important because it is, but trying to reach every person individually got to be just the insurmountable task. So that's what we mm-hmm. thought. If we start with mental health, I mean, like really focus our energy on mental health because we were trying to do multiple different types of providers. We thought, nope, mental health is gonna give us the most bang for our buck because it has such an impact on so many other aspects of your recovery.
1: Does that kind of make sense? Absolutely. That makes so much sense. I would not be able to I would not be able to help every single survivor that was out there either. I mean, that's that's a huge task. But looking at how you can boil it down to the fact that, like you said, mental health is such a huge piece of this. And I really do encourage any of our listeners that, you know, it it never hurts to talk to a therapist to just kind of keep a pulse on how you're doing, because things do change. And as your brain heals and makes new connections and new pathways, uh, some of those are really beneficial but maybe sometimes things kind of rebuild in a funky way and you need help figuring that out and how you can remodel and reprogram yourself into a more effective strategy um you know our brains sometimes when left to our own devices we kind of take the easiest path and the easiest path sometimes isn't always the most healthy in the end and it's it's really nice to have that outside perspective so i really appreciate the work that you guys are doing in educating our mental health workers and being aware and how they can better outreach and better help assist a brain injury survivor. Do you guys mind saying what your website is, how people could find you on there?
2: Uh, We are www.brainstormforbraininjury.com. We are on Instagram um, under the same handle, Twitter and Facebook. We have a Facebook support group as well. um, That was, you know, just kind of all the regular Facebook support group kind of rules that go with that. Um, but we want to be a place where one, people can, they can be validated and accepted. They can get some ideas, have a little bit of hope, and then learn ways that they can advocate for themselves and for the survivors in their lives. And um, one one really interesting byproduct I'll tell you is... Um, Someone that I know um, that I met actually through social media said that she stumbled upon our Facebook group and um, she, she was like, oh, well, that's really interesting. I've never heard of that and was kind of following it for a little while. And her daughter just got engaged maybe six or eight months ago and her daughter's fiance was in a car accident and has a brain injury. And she said Mm -hmm. that when they, when they met him, they didn't know that. And there were multiple times where she was really frustrated in her interaction with him. And she said, and then I learned all of these things and I was remembering the stuff that I read. And she said, and I, she said, I get him so much better now. And it really, really helped improve my relationship with him. So even people that think that they don't have a connection to brain injury, they might have more of a connection to brain injury than they realize that person in the grocery store that had kind of an unusual response to something you said, or someone that kind of at work that kind of flew off the handle for no apparent reason. When you see people that, you know, they're, it's like, Oh, your, your behavior is not very typical. Sometimes maybe it might cue you off and say, Oh, I wonder, I wonder if there's maybe something in their medical history and maybe I can either be more patient, be a little bit more kind or maybe I'll know the questions to ask so that I can be a help and a support rather than someone that judges, criticizes, and turns into a hindrance.
1: Love that. I um, Again, I'm just going to keep singing your praises. I hope that everyone listening will reach out to Brainstorm for Brain Injury. Uh, do follow them on Instagram. The Facebook support group sounds great. I know on their website, they have some really touching videos um, and other resources. So please do find them at brainstormforbraininjury.com. Thank you so much, Diane and Judy. I really appreciate you guys coming on. It's such a topic, such an important topic, one that I don't think we can talk about too much, uh, mental health with our brain injuries. Uh, it's just so, so poignant and so just at the heart of everything, at least at Making Headway Podcast that we do. It's, um, if you don't have your mental health, then everything else kind of falls down with it. So um, I really appreciate your work in the community and all the great Instagram posts you guys put out too. Very educational and helpful. Thank you for coming on today. You're welcome. Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. So um, this is Erin signing out for the Making Headway podcast. Bye. Hi everyone. Making Headway podcast is just a side project that I love it's given me a lot of community, along with giving you guys community as well, and I we really thank you for supporting me. If you'd like to do something extra, we would really appreciate it. There's a few ways you could help us out. Rate us on your favorite podcasting platform. Share us with friends, family, or anyone that you think might want to listen. Also, clicking on the links in our show notes for Amazon gives us just a small kickback, just enough to help pay those bills. If you wanted to do something more, which we would really appreciate, you can donate at www.makingheadwaypodcast.com. Lastly, we have a Patreon account as well. That's found at www.patreon.com slash makingheadwaypodcast. Anything you can do to support us really helps us out. Thank you so much. We really love you listeners. Bye.
0: Thanks for joining us on the Making Headway Podcast. For more information and show notes, visit makingheadwaypodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a review. Check us out at Making Headway Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and share with your friends. Catch you next time. All topics are intended to be used for educational and entertainment purposes only. The podcast is not to be used as a substitute for medical advice. Always consult with your health care provider for any issues or treatment considerations you may have. For our full legal terms, please see our website at makingheadwaypodcast.com. This podcast was recorded, mixed, and mastered with love at Stoutheart Studios. Sunrises across the ocean